0: Welcome to the Lucas Miles Show. I'm your host, Lucas Miles. Welcome to the Lucas Miles Show. I'm your host, Lucas Miles. And this episode, really for all my Gen Xers out there, is going to bring back a lot of memories because I have with me on the program today Jeremy Miller actor who played Ben Seaver on TV's hit show Growing Pains, as well as his good friend and co-author, Dr. Brandon Lane Phillips. They teamed up together to write a new book called When I Wished Upon a Star from Broken Homes to mended hearts. Just an incredible story that these two have of how God connected them. And I know that everybody listening, you can relate because you have somebody who's in your life that you know that it's just not a coincidence that you met that person, how you did or when you did or where you did. And that's really the story that Brandon and Jeremy share in this new book, When I Wished Upon a Star. And I don't want to give it all away now, but it's just fascinating. They connected actually when Jeremy was on the show when they were kids and God brought this full circle back into adulthood, reconnected these guys, and they tell all about it in this book, When I Wished Upon a Star. You're going to love this interview. It's heartfelt, it's emotional, it's raw. I just love how open Jeremy is with the ups and downs that he's had in his past and really how God has helped him to be able to find wholeness and, and just bring redemption and really just create just an awesome family that he has today. And so he talks a little bit about that As well. So you're gonna love it. But before we get to the interview, I want to tell you a bit about today's sponsor. Our sponsor today is Cove. Cove is a home security system. They're high-tech, they're modern, they're convenient, it's easy to use, and my home is protected by Cove. If if you know maybe you're somebody that you know you're you're traveling or you're on the road a fair amount, or you're maybe just the person that thinks, Did I turn off the stove or not? I remember here just recently, now that I have Cove installed in my house. I was got to work and I was trying to remember if I had turned off the stove after making breakfast that morning. I was able to switch over to my Cove app on my phone pull up the cameras, flip through my cameras until I found the one that shows my kitchen. And I was able to actually zoom in and make sure that the burner was in fact off. I mean, just in today's world, a home security system, having cameras in your home, sensors on your doors and windows, it just makes sense. It's a crazy world. I know for, for my wife and I, we've had a couple past scares. And you know, we've done a lot of things to, uh, to make sure that our home is secure. I have a big Doberman who's been a wonderful companion for our family, but she takes guard our house very seriously. And that might be layer number one, but it's not the only solution. And so having a system like Cove is just so important. And Cove is actually offering a special deal to the Lucas Miles Show listeners. And they are offering 20% off and a free camera for anyone who uses the promo code Lucas when they head over to covesmart.com. That's covesmart.com C-O-V-E-S-M-A-R-T dot com. Head over there, use promo code Lucas, get a 20% off your order and a free indoor camera. Cove, you're going to love it. Check it out. And here is my interview with Dr. Brandon Lane Phillips and actor Jeremy Miller. I'm excited. Welcome to the show today, Dr. Brandon Lane Phillips and actor from Growing Pains, you might know, Jeremy Miller. Guys, welcome to The Lucas Miles Show.
1: Thank you so much for having us on. We're excited to be here.
0: That's awesome. I'll do my best as, as to kind of make sure that everybody knows who's talking uh, as we're directing questions here. You know, you guys collaborated on this new project, this book called When I Wished Upon a Star, From Broken Homes to Mended Hearts. I'd love to hear a little bit of the backstory on how this came to be because it's many years in the making that's
2: true when i was 11 years old i was granted a wish by the starlight children's foundation and my wish was specifically to meet um jeremy from growing pains at the time growing pains was my favorite show specifically because i like the family aspect of the show Um, what jeremy didn't know before i came to the show though is I, i prayed to god asking god if you love me show me that you love me just with my family situation and my heart beat back, I was feeling a little bit blue at the time. So meeting Jeremy was kind of a huge pick, pick me up.
0: What was it like getting chosen for that? Because I can imagine, you know, a lot of people are putting in requests for foundations like that. Do you remember what was going through your mind the day that somebody said, Hey, this is happening? Because I, I remember watching... I mean, I was I was i I'm the growing pains generation. I mean, I I was that was my two Pop Tarts, a big glass of milk, you know, and watching Jeremy after school. I mean, this was what it was. So, you know, Brandon, what was going through your mind at that time?
2: Well, the day that I actually found out, I was in the hospital. I was going to have a heart cath that day, so the timing of it was just perfect. It was a huge pick me up before going to heart cath. Wow! I was so, I, I was so excited about getting to meet Jeremy that I didn't care that I was about to have a heart procedure.
0: Incredible incredible. Jeremy now you you were on set and I've I've been on, you know, these TV sets and especially as a as a child actor at the time, you know, you're kind of getting wrangled back and forth and probably taking classes and all these things. Did you did you, you know, was this something that had happened before? Did people come in periodically and what did it feel like to have somebody choose like you're the one I want to come visit?
1: Well, I have to say that was one of the things that made it so special for me. Was, you know, Kirk was the big star of our show and for the most part Wish kids wanted to come and meet him, or they just wanted to come to the set to experience the whole atmosphere. Brandon was the only one who wanted to come and meet me specifically and was a very special thing for me. And I had a few days warning as to when he was coming out. And I just kind of planned on him and I having this incredible day around the lot.
0: That's really cool. That's really cool. I love it. You know, are you guys close to the same age? How, what sort of difference is there?
2: About one year apart.
0: About one year apart. Okay.
2: About a year, year and a half older. Year and a few days. Year and a few days.
0: Okay. Brandon, stepping onto set. What was you know, what was that like the that first time?
2: Well, when I first went to the set, Jeremy met me, my limousine that brought me and my family to the set. Jeremy met us at the set and basically he took me off and we rode bicycles around the set. We jumped out of the buildings. Granted, I had just had a heart <laughs> before. Right. Um, my mom really appreciated everything that we did that day, but it was so <laughs> And then we got to have dinner, and then I got to watch uh, taping as part of the audience for the show.
0: That's incredible. What, Jeremy, what lot was that filmed on?
1: It was actually filmed on the Burbank Ranch. Okay. The time was just kind of a subsidiary of the Warner Brothers lot. We were the only show that filmed there up until our last couple of years. That We were their only regular show on lot. So we had the run of the lot. We had the Fantasy Island set. We had the Old West sets they used to shoot in. We had the Friday the 13th barn. So we were, we were not hotwire. We were borrowing a golf cart, <laughs> driving around and riding our bikes and just having a ball. I had really set out that we were, I was going to show this young kid just the best day and let him have some fun. Because truthfully, they don't give us a lot of details when the Wish kids are coming. So as far as I knew, Brandon wasn't going to be with us long. I mean, that's that's just that given me any more information than that. So I didn't know about the hard cap and all that kind of stuff. I was just bound and determined to make sure this kid who didn't get to go do these things very often was going to have a blast.
0: Now, you know, a story like that, first of all, might merit a book by itself, but that's not where this story ends. And there was something that brought you guys, was it back together? Or did you stay connected after that moment, you know, as friends?
2: We stayed connected for about two years after my wish. Once "Growing things went off the air, we went to college, I went to medical school, we just kind of lost contact with each other. And right as I started medical school, I had open heart surgery again. And about before I graduated college, Kirk Cameron and I had connected and had become Kind of email buddies of sorts, and we would email back and forth. Um, someone had contacted me about a charity that Kirk ran and thought that Kirk would like to hear from me and kind of know where life is. Well, by chance, my senior year of med school, about a few years after I had that open heart surgery, the whole cast of Broin Pains reunited in New Orleans to film the Reunion movie.
0: I remember that.
2: And Kirk invited me to the set, and that's how Jeremy and I reconnected.
0: Wow, very cool. And I should mention that Kirk, he did the forward to the book, right?
2: Yes.
1: Yes, he did.
0: Okay. So, Jeremy, how had your life changed kind of up into that point as you guys got reconnected?
1: At that point, I was really on the precipice of my addiction. Things hadn't really gone over the edge yet, but being in New Orleans for Mardi Gras for eight weeks helped push it over the edge. I really, after that point, became an everyday drinker blackout everyday drinker and fortunately that was the time that Brandon you know was kind of reintroduced into my life. him and I got to spend some fun times in New Orleans just getting to know each other again and we definitely kept in touch afterwards but my life was really beginning to fall apart at this point. Cove is the number one rated home security system in the nation. With a simple setup process, you're safe in minutes. At only $15 a month and no long-term contracts, you don't have to break the bank to get your home protected.
0: So I, I see, you know, in this, and, and Brandon, maybe we can start with you. You know, there was something about that that Seaver family that that drew you. And, and then, Jeremy, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, what it was from, from Brandon's side of things and his family that was also attractive, you know, in your life. And you know, Brandon, what what sort of, you know, what was what was really the the hope and the connection that kind of drew you to maybe to show up on that set or make that your wish initially?
2: Well, growing up, my parents separated on my fifth birthday. My mom raised me as a single parent. She worked nights in a Louisiana prison system as I was growing up. So about half the week I was kind of home alone. My dad was like five minutes away, but he never really took much interest in having me there while she worked. So I watched TV every night and it was just kind of neat watching kind of all the different families and you know, how different ones work. Like, you know, Roseanne's completely different than, you know, Cosby or Growing Pains, but something about Growing Pains I really, really just identified with. And there were a few shows that I just kind of like, well, that's, if I could pick my family, that would be the family that I would pick. So that's how I ended up choosing Growing Pains and and meeting Jeremy. He was closest to my age on the show.
0: And obviously sounds like God might've had something at work going on there behind the scenes. So, so Jeremy, I mean, you have, you know, from the outside, and I'm sure you've, you know, you've gotten this before. I mean, you know, right? The Perfect Life, you're, you're on this show, you're this child actor, you know, you go down the street and people know who you are and every kid in America, you know, it's going, I want to be like, you know, Jeremy. And, you know, but there's, I get that there's a weight and there's a pressure that exists that a lot of people never see, you know, what... What kind of can you talk to us at all about you know I want to be sensitive to that, but I'd love to hear you know kind of what brought you to that point in your life? I mean, it was bigger than Mardi Gras you know i mean what what really brought you there?
1: well i had i had a, a i mean being a child star, being the breadwinner for my family from the age of eight years old, you know my parents were separated as well, although I did have a good relationship with my dad. I had a stepfather come into the picture around 11 years old, and it seemed like he made it his life's mission to beat every bit of self-confidence out of me. Not exactly physically, but there was some physical abuse, other types of abuse as well. And that was probably the biggest factor in my running and hiding in the outfall and the addiction. The actual child star experience for me was probably as good as it can be for, it, for a kid. And there's plenty of pressure and plenty of other things. But when you hear the horror stories, I didn't really experience any of that. And that wasn't really what I was hiding from. I did develop a bit of social anxiety disorder from kind of the pressures of the show and being surrounded with so many people all the time. And unfortunately, the social lubrication aspect of the alcohol active to me, it made it much more made me much more comfortable in those social situations. I was able to be myself. I was able to be more talkative and more fun. And then that very quickly jumps into, you know, physical need. And again, when that pain, that emotional pain from the abuse of my childhood and stuff really started to surface around 21, 22 years old, I just, I mean, I couldn't deal with it. I really had no tools to be able to to deal with that pain. And I chose to run. I chose to push it down with anything I could. And alcohol was the easiest and most effective way I found, uh, most destructive way I found at that point.
0: So talk to me a little bit, Jeremy, about, you know, getting reconnected here with Brandon and how, how was that impactful to you on your, you know, journey to sobriety?
1: That New Orleans trip was crucial. And no, I don't blame Mardi Gras, believe me. I I'm planning on going back and having a ball sober. But that type of 24-7 access for an alcoholic right on the precipice was, was definitely not a great thing. But getting to be reconnected with Brandon was really special to me. I didn't have any clue where he had gone. I had no idea he was even still alive, that he had made it, that he was doing so well. And then getting to learn all the little things because he was just graduating. And he was just gonna be getting his placement for his residency and and all these different things. And he was achieving this incredible dream of getting to be a pediatric cardiologist, getting to help kids you know, who had the same issues he did. It was just, to me, that was such a cool and special thing. And at the same time, on that very same trip, I met my future fiance. And between Brandon and her, those are probably the two most crucial people in getting me sober. So that trip was, was very crucial in saving my life.
0: Brandon, when you, you know, did you pick up on this? Did you see, you know, this, this, here's this kid that you, you know, had met when you were younger, you see him now, were you, did you, were you aware of maybe the struggle that Jeremy was going through at that time?
2: I really wasn't. I did, you know, notice that he was drinking a lot, but I assumed, well, he's in New Orleans, it's Mardi Gras, so I really didn't think much about it. It really wasn't until I started going to stay at his house a little bit later that I got a little bit of a glimpse of it. But Jeremy was very good at hiding it.
0: Jeremy, speak to that a little bit, because I mean, I, I've I've dealt with that as you know, with friends of mine, and seen I had a dear dear friend that I had traveled with. I mean, we'd gone mission trips to Mexico and everything, and I had no idea what he was going through, you know, and I feel like I'm a fairly perceptive person, you know. Can you talk to us more about maybe how how that progressed for you and and maybe what stages it went through?
1: For me, the stages were really quick. You know, at first it was I don't drink until four or five. You know, I never started opening the bottle until I was cooking dinner. Then it was earlier and earlier and earlier. But I never lost control. And I think a lot of that had to do with my being raised in the public eye and having to carry myself in a certain way, even on set, you're expecting, even as a kid, you're expected to carry yourself as a professional. So no matter how messed up I got, 99.9% of the time, I didn't break down and fall apart until I was home with my fiance or my mom and my brother or somebody I was that close to. In the public eye, I managed to keep it together most of the time. And truthfully, it's such a, you're so ashamed of where you are. You're so humiliated. You hate yourself. You loathe everything about yourself when you're at that point. I know I did. I can only speak to me, but that's filled with self-loathing, that you don't want anyone to see you like that. And the truth is, once it gets so bad, the people closest to us know a lot sooner than we think they do. I, I thought I had everybody you know pretty much bamboozled a lot longer than I did. I came to find out that most of the cast was pretty concerned about me. Most of my family was getting very concerned. I wasn't aware of that at the time.
2: The way I, the way I really found out is one time I was out in California unexpectedly. I was near Jeremy's home and I just called. It's like, hey, I'm gonna stop by for a few minutes. And that's really the day that I realized something wasn't right. Jeremy was just very cheerful that visit, started telling me kind of the things he had went through during his childhood. And it was really kind of just where he really just kind of opened up to me about what he was struggling with. But it was really an uh, impromptu visit by his house that kind of made me really aware of what was going on with him.
0: So talk to me about the faith component in this and, and really, you know, Where's kind of God been in this journey and in maybe each of your lives? And and Brandon, maybe we can start with you and and then Jeremy, would love for you to speak to that if you're willing to as well. So I
2: think for me, it was when I went to the set, I had prayed to God, God, if you love me, show me that you love me. Jeremy's third question to me when we met was, where do you go to church? We are 1 and 12 at the time, and this little bell went off in my head. That's like, well, maybe I'm here because this is part of an answer to my prayer. Later that evening, Jeremy um, and his family had to leave the set early. Kirk spent some time talking to me after the show. I didn't go to meet Kirk. Didn't really even like Mike Seaver when I was growing up. (laughs) I'm a troublemaker. And Kirk was a little bit older than me. But Kirk spent some time telling me that God loved me. God has a plan for my life. And just the fact that Jeremy and them would just spontaneously show up again in my life as I was getting ready to graduate from med school. They were with me the day but I found out that my childhood dream of working with my pediatric cardiologist was going to come true.
0: I read that. Yeah. Very fascinating.
2: And to me, it was just God's way of putting his signature on my whole journey from, you know, felling first grade, getting tested for special education, graduating valedictorian in my high school and seeing my dream of becoming a physician become a reality. It was his way of putting his signature on that whole series of events. And I've always just been fascinated by how, people from one part of my life, when I meet them for one purpose, maybe reappear at a later point in life for a different purpose. I always think the, those connections are meaningful and, and don't happen by chance alone.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. How about how about you, Jeremy?
2: I,
1: as Brandon said, I was raised, you know, with faith. My father was Christian. My mom raised me in the Mormon church. I, I, I was always around it, and I never had a disbelief in God. I was never angry at God for the things that had happened to me, but I was running the other direction. The way I was living my life, the alcohol, everything, I, was, I knew I was doing everything wrong and I was doing everything I could to run away from God. Like I said, not many of my friends in recovery have dealt with that. They were angry at God for the things that had happened to them. I was never at that point. I was ashamed and I was trying, you know, trying to hide from God. Yeah, that works. My fiance actually was kind of crucial in helping bring me back to church and bring me back to actually working on my faith and and living in my faith. Her and my boys were a big part of that. And truthfully, my recovery centers around that. It really does. I I'm a big believer in people being placed in our lives at very crucial times. And many people would call them coincidences. That's one of the things I hope people can take away from our book. When you see the level of things lining up through sheer, nothing we did just out of what people would say, oh, it was luck, you know, sheer luck, sheer coincidence. Well, when you have 200 of those things that happen at the perfect, right moment every single time, you got to stop calling it coincidence at some point. My faith is, a, is the cornerstone of my life now. I, I get up and pray every morning. I get up and pray every night. I probably pray 20 times a day, small prayers during the day as well. It's very important to my sobriety that I keep an open contact with my higher power. And to me, my higher power is God. You know, that's, I, I have a great friend of mine in recovery who has always said, You know, he says, you need to find faith in your higher power. My higher power has a name, it's God. I am not a huge, I don't go out and evangelize everywhere. I am much more of a, I'm just living my life, trying to live it the right way, lead by example, love and be there for people. That's really what I try and focus on. And that's why I try and give back in the recovery community and it's one of the things I've really loved is that while Brandon is getting to help kids who have the same problems that he had and kids who've grown up with those same issues, I actually have now turned around and I'm doing the same thing with addicts and alcoholics in recovery. And it's just a very special and crucial part of my life.
0: That's really cool. That's really cool. I appreciate you sharing that and just being so transparent, you know, not, not just on this program, but you know, with the book. Let's talk about maybe from, from both sides as we kind of prepare uh, to, to close here. You know, Brandon, what would you say to maybe that kid out there that was like you, that's not sure what the future has in store for them, that's facing maybe some challenges? You know, what would you say to, to that kid right now?
2: I think to have faith and to hope that things get better. But I think really finding someone who you know, as a friend of you, I had many friends, you know, other than Jeremy and, and their families were a huge support to me. So if you're kind of not getting what you need or everything you need where you are, you know, look at your church or, or look at your know, community projects that you're involved in, you know, find someone who can mentor you. I think that's kind of a, a huge thing. And I think there's much need for, for mentorship in general.
0: That's awesome. And Jeremy, how about you? What, what would you say to that guy out there a week away from going to Mardi Gras and, and getting ready to have this precipice of a new direction in his life for the, for the bad? What would you say to that guy?
1: I would say that, you know, the hope is out there. It's not as dark as it seems, you know, it's the help is there if you ask for it. There are people there that love you. I mean, truthfully, every alcoholic, every addict feels alone. We've burned so many bridges. We have hurt so many people. And the truth is, there are still always people that are there. They're willing to be there for us when we're ready, if we're serious about getting healthy. You know, I, I tell everybody, I mean, I, I have my social media, I have my stuff. If you if you need to talk, I don't care who it is, message me. Find me on social media and message me. I will I will talk with you. We will chat if you need advice, if you need pointing in a direction in your area for help with recovery. I have friends, I can call them, I can find out where, you know, we can get you support. That's what I would say is the help is there if you just ask for it. And if you're ready for it, you've got to be ready and you've got to want it.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. And That's great news. And hopefully there's people that's on both sides of that spectrum and really all in between, you know, really the answer is that there's hope available and there's help available. And with those two things, there's not a whole lot that we uh, that we can't go through. So, the book is called "When I Wished Upon a Star" from Broken Homes to Mended Hearts, and the authors are Doctor Brandon Lane Phillips and Jeremy Miller. Guys, just such a pleasure to have you on the program. Welcome back anytime. This book comes out in uh, what is it? May is it May 21st? Do I have that right. It releases today, actually. Oh, t- today's May 21st. Okay, if I looked at my calendar, that would actually resonate with me a little bit. So the book is available and go ahead, pick it up in stores, order it on Amazon. You're going to love this story. And I know there's so much that we weren't able to cover of just how this happens. And hopefully this causes people, as, as you mentioned, Jeremy, just to start looking at those coincidences as we you know oftentimes call them in our own lives to maybe see what's, what, what's God trying to get my attention with here in, in pulling these things together. So I, I just love it. Guys, thank you so much for being on the program. Welcome back anytime. Thank you so much. If you haven't had a chance to pick up a copy of my book, Good God, the one we want to believe in, but are afraid to embrace, I want to encourage you to do so. It's available wherever books are sold, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, you name it, you can find Good God there. So grab a copy. You can also always get a copy at lucasmiles.org. And after you read it, I'd love to hear from you. If you liked it, hate it, shoot me a message. Let's stay in touch and make sure and keep visiting lucasmiles.org. That's all I have for you for today, but make sure and head over to iTunes and download the Lucas Miles show and head over to faithwire.com where you can always get the Lucas Miles show exclusively there and listen to our newest episode. We have all sorts of exciting guests. So check it out. The Lucas Miles show.